1: You know, I found myself this week literally weeping uncontrollably before God and saying this, Lord, may this generation be like the Joshua generation. Lord, may this generation have the faith of Joshua's generation. May this generation, Lord, have the courage and the victories of Joshua's generation. Joshua's generation could have said, you want me to do what?
0: And that's the title of Dr. Michael Youssef's current series on leading the way. You want me to do what? Packed with lessons to help you face the seemingly impossible situations of your life. God probably won't ask you to cross a raging river or walk around Jericho with a marching band like Joshua. But he may ask you to do something where your gut reaction is, you want me to do what? Listen with me now to a message called Stay With The Program from Dr. Michael Yusuf.
1: Fear is one of those emotions that I never trivialize or minimize. It's one of those emotions that I never underestimate. And if you've read some of my books, like If God is in Control, Why My Life is Such a Mess, you have read some of my testimony of how at times I've experienced what I would call a rash, raw, and naked fear. I know how fear can be one of the most demoralizing experience in human existence. I know that. And there's nothing wrong with experiencing fear at times. The question is, how do you overcome fear? How do you defeat fear? That's really what matters. Because if fear is not overcome in your life and in my life, Why do I say this? Because I have seen it. When continuous fear stays in your life, it robs you of joy. Continuous fear deprives you of your effectiveness for Christ. Continuous fear will steal your God-given potential for Him. Continuous fear will render you useless for the kingdom of God. Because continuous fear is Satan's method of keeping you from understanding your mission in life, that you are an apostle of Jesus Christ in your workplace and your school, that you will be hindered from witnessing to the power of salvation when you live in fear. But the only thing that I understood through the years of overcoming an overwhelming fear is faith. I have experienced in my own life That whenever fear is up, faith is down. And whenever faith is up, fear is down. It's like that seesaw. You see, courage is not an absence of fear. But courage is fear that has been overwhelmed by faith. Somebody was lamenting the fact of how fear has kept modern day Christians, believers, from witnessing for Jesus Christ. Fear of all kinds have kept people's mouths shut uh, testifying to the power of God's forgiveness and healing in our lives. Because in days gone by, the believers in Jesus Christ saw themselves as a mighty spiritual army for Jesus Christ. In days gone by, Christians viewed themselves as soldiers for Jesus Christ. Christians viewed themselves as warriors for Jesus Christ. Christians viewed themselves as a mighty army lined up behind the commander-in-chief. And that is why they sang songs like, Onward, Christian soldiers marching us to war. Today, the church of Jesus Christ is open for entertainment. And we have ceased to see ourselves that we are men and women, boys and girls of power and might. That we are soldiers enlisted in the greatest army that has ever existed. The army of Jesus Christ. And this poor guy looked around and saw what's happened to the church of Jesus Christ, to the believers. And he wrote a parody of the song. Here's what he said. I want to read it to you. Backward Christian soldiers fleeing from the fight. With the cross of Jesus clearly out of sight. Christ, our rightful master, stands against the fall. But. Forward into battle, we are too chicken to go. Like a mighty tortoise moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where we have often tread. We are much divided. Many bodies, we, having different doctrines and not much charity. Crowns and thrones may perish. Kingdoms rise and wane. But the church of Jesus, hidden, does remain. Gates of hell should never against the church prevail. We have Christ's own promise, but we think we'll fail. Sit here then, you people, and join our useless throng. Blend with ours, your voices, in a feeble song. Blessings, ease, and comfort, ask from Christ the King. With our modern thinking, we won't do a thing. It hurts, doesn't it? The Israelites, in the book of Joshua chapter 6, were a mighty army and saw themselves thus. Because they refused to allow fear to dominate their life. They refused to allow things to detract them from their mission. They refused to allow their previous victories to hinder them from moving into another victory. They refused to allow fear to keep them from conquering walls. And, beloved, I want to tell you something. That is what fear is doing to believers today. It is keeping them from conquering the walls of Satan's domain. It is keeping them from bringing down the walls of addictions. Keeping them from defeating temptation in their lives keeping them from reclaiming the places of work and the schools and the neighborhoods for Jesus Christ, keeping them from giving generously of themselves to the work of God here and around the globe, keeping them from telling the world about the One who saved them eternally. Perhaps there was no point in Israel's history before or after this time here in Joshua chapter 6 when they exercised faith and overcame fear, then this point here in Joshua chapter six. You see, the previous generation of Israelites all died in the wilderness. Every one of them got buried in the wilderness. And they never saw the promised land. And there is a good reason for that because they were constantly whining and complaining. Because they were constantly criticizing and murmuring all the time. No wonder God waited until that generation died and buried before he took the next generation on to the promised land. You know, I found myself this week literally weeping uncontrollably before God and saying this, Lord, may this generation be like the Joshua generation. Lord, may this generation have the faith of Joshua's generation. May this generation, Lord, have the courage and the victories of Joshua's generation. Joshua's generation could have said, you want me to do what? You want us to do what? Penetrate the imperitable? You want us to do what? Can't you see this fortified wall here? Can't you see that Jericho is an impossibility? is beyond our ability to conquer. Can't you hear the taunting of the Canaanites of us? Can't you understand how mighty Jericho is? Don't you know that they have an advanced armories? They have advanced weaponries. And furthermore, listen Joshua. What is this divine strategy? Is that a joke or What? What is this divine strategy? You want us to do what? March around the walls once a day in silence? You want us then on the seventh day march seven times? Then on the seventh day you want us to blow trumpets and and shout? What is it going to do to the wall? What is that going to accomplish? This has to be the most bizarre the most nonsensical strategy. What is this marching supposed to accomplish? What's it supposed to do other than make us a laughing stock of the Canaanites? What is this marching outside of the wall supposed to accomplish other than getting us killed by the spears of the Canaanites? Even Joshua himself, even though he is a veteran of many wars, he must have had his doubts about the strategy. But he responded in unquestioned obedience. And beloved, that's what faith is all about. Listen, we can all spend our time debating what faith is. Faith is very simple. It is expressed in absolute unquestioned obedience to the Word of God. That's what faith is all about. Everything else is just talk. Joshua probably felt that this divine strategy, it just doesn't make sense. But he said, God said, do it, and I'm going to do it. It may not be the most logical. It may not be the most rational. It may not be the most intelligent strategy that he has ever encountered. But he said, Lord, I'll obey. Whatever you say. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me, Lord, but I'll do it. Let me ask you this. What is your Jericho? What is your Jericho? What? Is your menacing obstacle that stands in the way of your victory? What is that giant that is harassing you and taunting you? What is hindering you from keeping and claiming your school and your workplace and your neighborhood for Jesus Christ? What is that past that is holding you hostage? What is that power that got you in its clutches? So much so that you feel inadequate. Inadequate to speak to someone about the power of God to forgive sin, to heal and restore. Is it fear of rejection? Is it fear of failure? Is it fear of embarrassment? Is it fear of being taunted? I'll make you a promise. If you look deep to find out the cause of that fear in your life. And you keep digging, and you keep digging, and you keep digging. You're going to discover at the root, there is disobedience. There's disobedience in your life. So what's the answer? Get on with God's program. You say, how do I do that? What is God's program? It is for you to exercise complete trust in the promises of God. It's for you to develop a complete trust in the presence of God. You see, that's what the Ark of the Covenant was all about. It was representing to them the presence of God. And they're going to say, yeah, yeah, we sure helped us across the River Jordan, but can really take us over that wall. <laughs> that's God's program. How do I trust in God's program? How do I trust in the presence of God in my life? How do I do that? By spending adequate time alone alone. In the presence of your heavenly Father, developing intimacy with Him. But how does that work practically? As you develop intimacy with God, He's going to direct you. Sometimes God is going to say, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) It's hard for some. Sometimes He said, you need to speak. You see, for some, God is saying, just love that person, don't say a thing. Until the right time. For others who have been silent for so long, God is saying, now you need to speak. See, he will guide you to his program. (laughs) Listen carefully, please. I am convinced. I'm convinced, personally. Being from the Middle East myself. I am convinced that the greatest temptation to these guys was to stay silent for a week. You want us to do what? March around and around for first day. And then the second day, not saying a mumbling word. I mean, there's no way. How how can you do this? I mean, that is a miracle in itself. It must have been killing them. I can't imagine some of them want to express themselves. I'm convinced one of them wanted to lean over and say, hey, Joe, Joe. I don't like this one bit, do you? And the other one says, no, I can't stand this silence. It's killing me, all this marching. Can you believe it? Can you believe this guy, Joshua, telling us they're going to be shouting and, and blow trumpets and on the seventh day and we're going to have victory? <laughs> yeah, this guy is dense. I mean, he really is. He's just dumb. Man, oh, for the days of Moses, he's always listened to our complaints. And he always cried to God to change his mind. The silence was killing them. Not only that, but these tribes have always been on each other's throats. I mean, they fought. They argued. They had the worst time. But here, they're united. No bickering, no complaining. No murmuring, they are united. How many of you believe that if this body of believers, if this body of believers become united in prayer, become united in tithing and giving, become united in serving, become united in witnessing, become united in mission, become united in reaching out... And reclaiming our schools and our workplaces and our neighborhoods for Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that it will change a city? I believe that with every ounce of my being. Amen. Give God glory. Amen. You know, I read that General Patton, who was very unorthodox anyway, had a very unusual method by which he promoted officers in the army. Very unusual. He would say to the officers, men, I want you to go behind this warehouse and I want you to dig a trench. I want it to be eight feet long and I want it to be three feet wide and I want it to be six inch deep. And then he lets them go do the job. Unbeknown to them, there was a room in that warehouse behind which they're going to dig the trench where all the tools are kept. And next to that room that has the tools in it, he sits there. So as they come to get their tools to dig the trench, he would hear every word they have spoken. <laughs> Someone would say, this is demeaning work for officers. Some would say, this trench needs to be dug by electric powers, not by hand. Others would complain about how pointless it is to dig the trench in this lousy weather. Others would complain, why only six inches deep? But then there would be that odd officer who would say something to the effect, who cares what the so-and-so wants to do with that trench? Let's just dig it and get it over and done with. And that was precisely the officer that was promoted. Now, beloved, listen to me. God, too, is looking for men and women, boys and girls. God, too, is looking for those who will put their faith to work by unquestioning obedience. Because here's the truth of the Scripture. When you act in obedience, God will manifest His power. When you act in obedience, God will work in the hearts of others. And soften the hardest of them all. When you act in obedience, God will manifest His awesomeness. When you do the possible, God is going to do the impossible. When you follow His strategy, He will give you success. When you get on with His program, He will bless the smallest and the simplest things in your life. He will give you Jericho. Whatever your Jericho may be, He will give it to you. You notice in the scripture says, the Lord already gave it to us, (laughs) as if this already happened. He will make walls that look imperitable in your life crumble. He will melt hearts. He will confuse the enemy. When Jesus turned water into wine, he asked for the jars to be filled with water. He said, you know, that's odd. The one who is able to click his finger and change water into wine... Surely he must be able to just fill the jars himself. Just said, let there be water, and there was water. No. He wanted them to be part of the miracle. Just like he wants you to be part of the miracle of saving souls. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he asked for the stone to be removed. Wait a minute. The God who tells the dead to rise, surely he could click his fingers and the stone will be removed. Sure, he could have done that, but he didn't. Because he wanted them to be part of the miracle. God wants us involved in the miracle. Listen, God is the one who does converting of souls anyway. God is the one who brings conviction and reveals to us that we are sinners and heading for eternal damnation unless we repent and turn and receive forgiveness from the hand of Jesus Christ. Only God can do that. But he uses you and you and you and me to be involved in the miracle. What a privilege. What an honor. When you do what you can do, God will do only what God can do. When you reach out in love to that person or this person that God has been laying on your heart, who is desperate to hear the message of forgiveness, to hear the message of peace, inner peace, to hear the message of meaningful life, to hear the message of eternal life, God will soften hearts when you let His light, shine in your life. He will shine his light on the other person's heart. Listen, the secret of success in Jericho was not Joshua's military ingenuity. It was not his skills in warfare. Victory came because Joshua and the people of God heard God and obeyed God. Isn't that simple? And yet most people stumble over it. It is so simple. Listen to God. Obey God. Victory came because they followed God's strategy. Victory came because they got on God's program, not their own program. And God will give you victory. When you begin to see your first task as a missionary in your mission field, when you begin to see your first task is obedience. If you sit in the presence of God unhurried, unflustered. He will give you the words to speak. Or sometimes He will tell you to keep your mouth shut. He is the God of the harvest. And He knows when the harvest is ready. He alone. When you are still and know that He is God... He will guide your words. He will guide your steps. He will guide your mind. He will guide your service. He will overwhelm all of your fears. The ones that are known and the ones that are unknown.
0: Dr. Michael Yusuf with a reminder that victory comes through obedience to the Father. Talk with someone about what it means to have victory in the Christian life when you go to ltw.org slash Jesus or call 1-300-133-589. Hey, many of you have stood with Dr. Yusuf over the years praying for the expansion of Leading the Way and lifting him up when opportunities to expand and reach many with the gospel of Christ around the world become available. So we just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Well, that's just about it for today, but make plans to join us next time when Dr. Yusuf once again opens the Word of God to passionately proclaim uncompromising truth on Leading the Way.